Hey guys, welcome to the We Are Men podcast. I am your host, Carl Mason. And in this podcast, we sit down and talk with local heroes from Southwest Sydney about life, mental health, and strategies for coping with the day-to-day issues that we all face as men. Our aim with this podcast is to create a space where men can open up and discuss their mental health without the fear of shame or exclusion. I know it can be hard to ask for help as a man, but no man needs to struggle alone. We hope to encourage all men to talk about what they're going through and seek help when they need it. A quick note, this podcast may feature some adult language and suicide may be discussed, which could be triggering for some listeners. Today on the podcast, I am chatting with Hamani. Hamani is an Indigenous and Tongan LGBTQI activist and musician from Camden. He was elected the youth premier of the 2019 YMCA New South Wales Youth Parliament and volunteers with the Camden Youth Action Team. Hamani has also appeared on media platforms including ABC's Q&A and is currently studying a Bachelor of Music at JMC Academy. Let's jump right into it and meet Hamani. Hamani, first of all, I just want to say thank you for giving your time to be involved in this project. This is something that I'm very passionate about, having my own journey with mental health. Um, and I know a lot of men do, even if they may not talk about it. So uh, what we're doing here, talking about this, I think is going to be very powerful. So I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. Um, and I appreciate you giving up your time to be involved. That's right. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, so my name is Amani Tonganoa. I'm a proud Rajari Green Green Tongan man living in between Campbelltown and Camden. Um, I am currently studying a Bachelor of Music Contemporary Performance and I'm also just doing some freelance work, um, doing some cultural capacity um, workshops here and there across um, Campbelltown. So I know you're doing a lot of amazing things and I want to get into them, but I want people to understand your story and where you came from. So I want to start at the beginning. Um, so can you share a little about um, what your time in school was like and how, how your you know, young, younger years were? <laughs> uh, so I grew up in the Aboriginal community from a very young age. I remember getting told stories that I would run around the back of like back of Campbelltown where mum's, mum's doing the women's group and I'm just running around, um, but naked really, um, and hearing all the stories from the, aunt, from the aunties and from mum about that so it was quite interesting hearing it from right now so that was like around my toddler years just say went into primary school um, really excited really excited about school because mum was studying to be a teacher um, at that point so I was really excited to go to school it was quite fun then when I started saying that I was Aboriginal kind of turned, um, was experiencing some forms of racism um, at, at a primary school, which is quite, quite weird and quite um, upsetting to see that a young kid like myself was experiencing forms of racism from the students at a primary school level. Um, and you know, I was just being bullied just for whatever reason. So I kept going, yeah, I kept going into high school and I came to the terms with that I was I was gay. I, I think I was I was like thirteen when I realised when I was starting to have those feelings. It was quite hard because 
I've been told that I have to grow up a certain way. Like, you're a man, you have to do this, you have to do that. And I wanted to be something else. Um, I loved music. I loved performing. I loved theatre. I still love them. Um, but it wasn't really what people like. I was mainly surrounded by, like, guys at school who would be playing footy, handball and that sort of stuff. And I would just be like, I just want to hang out with the girls because that's all I'm comfortable with. Um, yeah, and that, and that bullying and that racism and now homophobia kept going on. And then it was a point where I actually decided to move schools. And so I moved to a school here in Campbelltown um, a Catholic school and kind of, it's a bit the irony of me going, out of all people, me going to a Catholic school. Um, so I was frightened. I was so scared that like, oh, it's going to be even worse. Why did I, why did I decide to come here? I wanted to go to the performing arts school. I feel like I belong there. Um, but starting when I started there, it was, it was amazing. Um, I had a supportive, I had supportive teachers, and I have I had a supportive principal um, because she understood where my background and she understood what I was feeling, and it kind of started to go down. Like my around my first year, where one of the teachers, one of the there was I had a year advisor, and she kind of rehabilitated me to love school again. Because when I left my first school, I hated school, didn't want to go back. Um, so I started there and she kind of brought me back to where I was. And I, found, I woke up one day then I found out that she was actually in a car accident. And she died at that car accident. So it was quite tough. Um, still tough because we never really got a chance to say goodbye. I think the last time, last time I spoke to her was when she was getting in the car to go. And yeah, it was kind of scary to think, think about that. And then went on from there, had a few cases where I got bullied a lot. Um, but from that small bit of time where I was, I was rehabilitated to go back to school and more confident, I, yeah, I got more confidence through performance and through, and through her and through many other people in my life. I started to stand up for myself. So I had a few incidents where um, some violence may have, um, like I may have threatened someone. <laughs> and I was standing up for myself, um, but it kept coming back tenfold. Um, the principal that, I, that supported me so much, she left, got a new one in, and yeah, kept, dealt, kept dealing with a lot of, a lot of shit, really. Um, especially with people who, who I thought were supporting me and who I thought that were family, who were really family, turning around and backstabbing me. I was doing perform, I was also doing performances on the side of all that, and, was basically in my final year 
they told me either to choose my schooling or to choose my career. And if I chose my career, um, I wouldn't be able to graduate. I knew that they couldn't do it, but the thought of not graduating and not finishing school and getting to not be able to leave that school um, kind of shocked me. So I, st I stopped doing some performances, stopped doing some programs that I was doing and just stuck with school. And Is yeah. that hard to, to turn your back on what you actually love doing? Yeah, it, it was really hard because I was doing a program on the side of all this. When I was at those two schools, I was doing a performance program um, with the Department of Education. And I loved that so much. I, it had some fallbacks. I had some dramas, but I loved it. Yeah, I want to hear more about where that went afterwards, but I, I'd like to ask, during that time, when did you feel your worst? What was the, when, when, when you were at your lowest during that time? There were a few moments during my time at school where I was at my lowest. Um, the first point was in year seven, actually. It was a, like we were all in high school for the first time. Um, the people that I got a lot of shit from, a lot of, like a lot of the, the bullies, you should say, um, moved over to the, to the same school as me. So I was still copying, copying that shit. Um, and it got to a point where I actually thought about ending it all because um, I didn't want to didn't want to deal with that and like I got stopped because my mum woke up and saw me trying to and we sat down and had a talk and she wrote to the school got the school involved but nothing happened it, it, it still went on and so that's why like in year eight I decided to think I was thinking about leaving finally got into another school and just left, turned my back away from them. So I think those are the three kind of moments in my life where I was at my lowest. Sure. Yeah. That, obviously that's so hard and I yeah. can't, don't have the, you know, and the same experience to that degree, but I, like you know, many kids went through bullying at school. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have a few ticks and things uh, like, and a lot of blinking, I blink a lot, and uh, like we think it's a mild form of Tourette's or something like that. But during school, that was you know something that made me different, and therefore it was something that was picked on. And I know I felt, you know, something as small as that, like isolated and like less than, and you know, I couldn't understand why was, I'd, I'd never, you know, I didn't actually do anything wrong. How did you feel at that time when? was happening to you? I felt very vulnerable when these, was happen these were happening to me. Because, um, I, yeah, I grew up with a mother who was a teacher um, who knew what I was going through and it was her, and her job was she wanted to make sure that her students weren't like that. So to see some of the teachers that I've spoken to, there were a lot of there were a lot who were very supportive and helped me on the long, along the way, but 
there were others who I had most of the, most of the teachers I had most of the time weren't as supportive um, and wasn't, didn't really turn, they'd really turned a blind eye to it. So I really felt vulnerable. I was very confused, especially in primary school. I was very confused with why, why, why am I being treated like this? What did I do? I even said to them, what did I do to you? And they didn't give a straight answer. So I was very confused. Um, but also I was very angry because, especially with moments where it was people who I trusted the most, I was very angry because I, I told them my whole life. I told them my own experiences and they've told me their own experiences and I've respected that and I helped them through that and they still backstabbed me, as I say. Yeah, it must have been hard. Yeah. So obviously you found a way to work through that, to come out the other side and to do some incredible things. Uh, in that time, how, how did you seek help? Who did you go to for advice or how did you get through it? My family were my support. Um, family is really strong. And so I had my, my mum, who was my rock since day one. Um, as I say, my birth, my, like, um, I, I say to everybody, like, my, like I'm the offspring, um, life giver. So she was my rock, and so she's been there every step of the way. If there is something going on, she knows the ins and out department and the Catholic sister, so she'll just give it a call and be like, listen, this is what's going on you need to do something about it, otherwise, like, there's going to be some trouble. Um, and she'll do it with every, like, every single one of the students, so for them to know that she does it with her own son and her own daughter. Um, I had my sister as well through high school and a bit of primary school, but because she, she was dealing with her own problems, she wasn't much of a help, especially going through HSC, going through the transition into high school um, and her own mental and our own mental health, so it was quite, quite tough. There were some teachers as well, um, some teachers that I'll never forget. Um, I mean, my drama teacher at my second school, she, she kind of like brought me back to reality. If there was, if I was being a bit of a drama queen, overreacting, she'd be like, "Cut your shit." Um, so, and so I'm forever thankful for her. And the same things with my music teacher. Um, she supported me in every step of the way. When I first met her, I was a bit standoffish because I was like, who's this new teacher coming in? We already had this other teacher, but then I grew to, I've grown to love her. With, with um, like I know a lot of people, when they're going through their toughest time, don't talk to anyone. They try to keep it in. They're like, I can get through this. How important do you think it, it was that you actually tried to seek help, that you talk, spoke up? And said, "I, oh, you know, I need a bit of assistance." I find it. I find it's really important to speak up, especially especially with men. Um, we're told to conceal our feelings, you know, fuck your feelings, like gross, like drink some concrete. Um, so we kind of been taught from day one, and it's pro it's like mostly known in society that for men to stay quiet, but. Especially, yeah, especially for men, it's important to speak out and speak to someone who you, who 
you know who's going to support you. Um, because if you keep it bottled, bottled in one day, it's all, it's just going to sprout out and it's not going to be pretty. So I'd say to people just to speak, just to speak to someone. If it's just a family, if it's someone, you, if, you know, if, you, if you're close to your mum, speak to your mum. If you're close to your dad, speak to your dad. Because um, I'm kind of thankful that I've had that chance to speak to my mum and speak to my family about it and kind of were very open about it. I just want people to understand that like a lot of people, all of those men who don't speak out, who think I can get through this, like where, what that leads to. And what, when you said that, you know, you got to your lowest point and you thought about ending it, you know, I've been times in my life where I've been at that point um, and felt that what's the point kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's where it gets to if you don't speak up and you don't try to seek help, a different perspective. What were you going through at that time? What were you feeling at that time? Because, you know, you hadn't, you didn't have that help. It was quite tough because, as I said, like I, my mum was my rock, so I'd be, she would support me. But it wasn't until that point where I didn't tell her the full story and what was going on. I've experienced it bottling it in and it did burst out to that point. Um, and it's, it's hard, it's, it's tough. It's, looking back, it's quite frightening that for someone at that young age to ever think about that. And that's why I say to most people, it's, it's very important to talk. Even if it's, even if you sit down for someone with, with a coffee, like having a yarn, even just talking to them, it doesn't have to be about like anything particular, just a simple conversation um, that could even just spark something. I think it's very important to to talk because I'd never want to see anybody go to that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's why we're here doing yeah. this today. Exactly what you just said is the reason we're creating these films. We want people to see that it, it can be that simple as talking to someone, get it, letting it out a little bit, so it's not built up to here. You know, even if it's just built up to here, you can. You know, find that the next few days you might be able to find a solution. So we just don't want people to get to that point because, as that saying, if it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem, let's turn a corner. What are you doing now? What have you done since you know you've worked through that? You had support. You you sought out help. You've come through. What are you doing now? It really like what I'm doing now is kind of started during all that time, so I found that music was a good way for me to kind of get away from everything. It gave me a whole different world, as I say. So I started doing music, I started singing. I wasn't that good. Um, I got training, went and became a part of this program with Department of Education, um, a vocal program, and kind of gained more confidence there, and then I, kind of looked back to my own sort of experience and knew that I wasn't alone on that. So I started advocating for um, mental health, started advocating for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander affairs. Um, then I went, um, went on to be a part of the YMCA Youth Parliament Program here in New South Wales and became the representative for Campbelltown. 
um, spoke in my private members about the need for more library uh, funding for libraries um, because it's a good way for people to hang out and kind of brought in some ways of creative arts and mental health um, into that and became the Minister for Southwest Sydney. So I spoke about um, the need for creative initiatives within the Southwest Sydney region um, because most programs cost a lot. Um, so by giving out free programs to Western, um, Southwest Sydney young people, it kind of gets them out of the house, networking with other people and giving them that confidence, that stage presence and giving them that confidence to do whatever. Um, and I brought in mental health because for me, like music, I say music saved my life. So I went on and did that and then I came back the next year, um, came back in 2019, uh, was a part of the Aboriginal Affairs Committee and I was elected, the, I was elected Youth Premier for New South Wales um, and made history by becoming the first Aboriginal um, I think from, from memory, I think it was actually the first Aboriginal and first gay youth premier in New South Wales. I'm not remembering, I think I remember that from a speech, but I'm not sure. But I know that I was the first Aboriginal youth premier. Went on to work at the, the Office of the Advocate for Children and Young People as part of the Youth Advisory Committee. Was, um, won a Children's Week Award in 2018 for Voice started volunteering for the Y, helping out with young people, started um, working in, with Camden Youth Council, um, Camden um, working stuff with Campbelltown Council. Coming out, I've done so many things because of my experience and because of what I dealt with. I'm putting out back out to the community to kind of steer young people away from going down a dark path. And all because of that, I decided to take a sharp left into my career and looking into primary teaching um, to become a primary school teacher so I can teach the young people about, uh, my, the young students about music, about Aboriginal cult, Aboriginal and Tosha Islander cultures, language, um, and just bring what I've learnt and raise them up to be young, good little students, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Harmony, I think that's incredible that you took your experiences uh, going through everything you went through and are turning it into something positive. And like, not just for yourself, you're giving back to the community, helping others, and now with your career, even going in a direction so you can help more young people coming through. What advice would you give to a young person who's watching this who might be at that point, that might be at their lowest point? What would you say to them? I'd say to them, keep fighting because and even I was at that point, um, I wanted to stop. I didn't want to fight no more, but keep fighting, keep going, because there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it ain't that bad light, but it's a good light. Um, you'll, get it, like, you'll get out of it. If you speak to people that you trust, mainly your family, um, if, you, if you're not very close to family, maybe some friends or... Um, a close teacher of yours or something. Um, just talking. Join some youth groups, maybe. Um, maybe find some like youth councils and kind of interact with people who are like-minded. 
Um, but just hang in there because the best is yet to come. What do you think is uh, a myth about male mental health? I think that one strong myth about mental health, men's mental health is that men don't experience it. That's a fat lie. And for men to keep it in and bottle it in, drink a cup of concrete, completely untrue. Um, men cry. Men, like, fall down and burst into tears, drinking, like, eating ice cream. Like, what you depict, what, what was seen as female sort of tendencies of, like, crying and eating ice cream and sobbing. Men do that too. I do that. So I think that's one giant myth um, for people to kind of knock out of their, their heads. You said that music saved your life. Yeah. How did music save your life? When I, when I started doing music, I was doing music around primary school and kind of it was a way for me to kind of break away from the world. Um, even if it was just at first it was just listening to music and then singing along to it. Um, I'll sing, I'll play like Sing Star back then when we had Sing Star and like singing Material Girl. Um, and I think it was the first time that I kind of felt happy at school was when I did the talent quest in, in kindergarten, I think it was. And I just sang Material Girl and I won first place. So I was like, I just destined to be on the stage. And then it, as I got as I got tough during during high school, um, I started going to the vocal program and um, kind of learnt more about stage presence and bringing my feelings on stage when I was sing when I'm singing a song, telling a story through music, and it was yeah I think it was a way if I wasn't able to talk to my family, if I wasn't able to talk to teachers, music would be the one way to kind of express my feelings and how I'm feeling. I think if I, if I didn't do music at all, I don't know what I would do in my life. Um, everything I've done up to this point in my life, it's all because of music. So it does, I do think if I didn't have music, what would I be doing? Would I still be the shy, tiny but not so tiny boy back in primary school or would I be someone completely different? Um, yeah, music helped me find, helped me come to terms with my own sexuality, came to terms with, you know, I've got problems in my life. Yeah. Okay, Harmony, thank you very much for <laughs> giving your time to share a bit of your wisdom. I appreciate you for being involved and for doing that. Um, I think a lot of people will take a lot of good from what you've shared and, and will be inspired by your journey. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in. A huge thank you to our guest. Make sure you head to wearemen.com.au for more information about the project and for a list of services that are available to men out there who want to learn how to be a man who talks. See you guys next week.